amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What's going on, Card Nation? Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown here on a Thursday night. Taylor Lynch with you, flying solo no Lewis Metzinger this evening, but we still got a great show lined up for you, a summer football preview series special edition of The Breakdown. We're going to be talking some Wake Forest, some Virginia football as well, and good friend of the show, Chris Carlson of Syracuse.com is going to join us to preview the Syracuse Orange. Guys, you know how to get in touch with us. As always, hit us up on Twitter, at The Breakdown UL, or you can check us out uh, at Taylor Lynch and at Lewis Metzinger, and tweet Lewis and ask him where he's at and why he's not on the show tonight. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, please go to the bottom of the little screen there and make sure you click the share button and share the podcast out so that everybody can hear what's going on going on here on the breakdown our listener number continues to grow each week i feel like i'm a broken record but i just love saying that because it just means that you all are enjoying what we're doing here on the show and that is what it's all about so let's go ahead and get things started tonight with the wake forest demon deacons the demon deacons will host the louisville cardinals october 28th in winston-salem uh, this was a game last year for the Cardinals that started really weird. Of course, we had the whole Wakey Leaks thing going on, but it was really kind of a boring stalemate of a game for the first three quarters until Louisville blew the thing open at the end there in the end of the third and into the fourth quarter and ended up winning this one by a score of 44 to 12. If I'm yeah. 44-12, the final score last year in that game. This year, uh, it's a different Wake Forest team. This is a team that was 7-6 and six last year with a ton of issues at the quarterback position. They struggled mightily to keep John Wolford and Kendall Hinton healthy last year. Um, it looks like it's going to be Kendall Hinton's job to lose heading into this season. Um, Clawson said, Kendall is our starter, uh, but John is getting reps with the ones he has to. We have to get a third guy ready too because neither of them have stayed healthy. So keeping the quarterback healthy is going to be the big key for Wake Forest this year. Um, Hinton is great in the run game. He can really give defenses issues with that. He can also throw the deep ball, but he's got to work on his accuracy um, if Wake Forest is going to do big things this year in the Atlantic Division. We look at the running back spot for Wake Forest. They improved in the run game over the previous two years uh, of the Dave Clawson era. They were better than just 18 programs last year in FBS as far as running goes. They do return their two main backs. You might remember the former Louisville commit, Matt Colburn, and then Cade Carney are both back. Colburn had 626 yards last year. Carney 589 yards as a true freshman despite missing three games 
due to a knee injury. So getting them back is going to be big for Wake Forest. Um, and keeping Kendall Hinton upright is going to be big for them as well. But Hinton is going to need guys to throw the ball to. And last year, the wide receivers for Wake Forest did not really do him any favors. Um, it was a group that I think a lot of people thought would be a breakout group. And they didn't do that. Um, Cortez Lewis did not have a great season. Uh, had 47 catches uh, two years ago. Last year, just 32 catches. Um, they're going to need some big production from these wide receivers this year. Look at that offensive line. It seems like when we look at teams in the ACC, and I feel like we've talked about it with everybody, the offensive line is, is an issue, and it was an issue last year. Um, it was the, the real Achilles heel for this team. They allowed 39 sacks in each of Clawson's three seasons, and last season, um, 21% of the carries by the running backs were stopped. This from the Athlon Sports uh, Wake Forest preview here. That can't happen this year for Wake Forest. Um, They're going to be relying on some rising juniors. Um, They did lose two of their longtime starters, but these juniors have a combined 62 starts, and that's Justin Heron, Phil Hayes, and Ryan Anderson. you got 62 starts between these guys. They should be able to gel and provide a good offensive line uh, for the running backs, for Matt Colburn and for uh, Kendall Hinton to have some time back there to throw the ball to these wide receivers and for Matt Colburn to have some time to run the ball and uh, continue to see those rushing numbers increase for Wake Forest. As we flip to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line is easily the best unit on this team. Um and they, they have the luxury of, of having Duke Ejiofor return, um, and he he can really make things happen off the edge. He did it in that game last year against Louisville in the beginning of the game. Um, finished fourth in the ACC with 10.5 sacks, um, the second most in school history. So he is back, and that is a big, big plus for this Wake Forest defensive line uh, that does have some depth as well. Goes six deep on the D-line for Wake Forest. And that is big, especially in the Atlantic division. Um, The linebacker position, they're going to need somebody to step up. Um, Brandon Chubb, Markel Lee, those guys, NFL linebackers now. Jabory Williams is looked at as potentially that next guy to be an NFL linebacker coming out of Wake Forest. Um, but he is definitely going to have to develop and develop quickly um, in this his senior year. So we'll see what happens there. Um, you look at the defensive back spot. The Deacons lose Ryan Javanon and Brad Watson. Um, so they're really going to have to piece that together and piece that together in a hurry uh, and see if they can get some good production from the DBs. Um, you've got some grad transfers. Um, Cedric Giles from Mississippi State's coming in. So they've got some guys back there with some experience, um, but they're going to have to get that unit to gel again. That was a unit that wasn't that great last year, um, and now they're really going to have their work cut out for them there at the defensive back position. Um, when you look at this Wake Forest team, there are several predictions out there. You look at the, the Atlantic Division as a whole, it's it's Florida State, Clemson, Louisville, NC State, and then Wake Forest there in that fifth spot. But you look at their schedule, 
they've got home games against Presbyterian, Utah State, Florida State, Louisville, NC State, and Duke. They go to Boston College, to Appalachian State, which is not going to be easy, at Clemson, at Georgia Tech, at Notre Dame, at Syracuse. I think they beat Presbyterian. I I just, I don't, we talked about Boston College a few weeks ago. I think they get a victory over BC and that BC offense. Um, if Wake can just put up enough points, I think maybe you're 2-0 there. You host Utah State. You should probably be 3-0. At Appalachian State scares me because that's a very good football team. Um, you do have Florida State at home. I think that's a loss. You go to Clemson. I think that's a loss. That Georgia Tech game on the 21st, going to Georgia Tech, playing the triple option um, before you come home and face Louisville, that's an interesting game. And at Notre Dame, I really don't know what we're going to get out of Notre Dame this year. Um, so I don't know. I think I think you can look at the schedule and see six wins. I think maybe you can see seven wins. Maybe they can match that total. Uh, from last year and then maybe get to a bowl game and get an eighth win. I think if you have eight wins, seven wins, eight wins for Wake Forest with this schedule in the Atlantic Division, I think that's a good year. Uh, And I think that Wake Forest is definitely capable of having that kind of a year. Um, But we will see. So as we move on and continue down the schedule, when Louisville leaves Winston-Salem, they return home to Papa John's Cardinal Stadium to welcome Bronco Mendenhall and the Virginia Cavaliers in for a game on November the 11th. Bronco Mendenhall will be in his second season at the helm of the Virginia Cavaliers, leading them to a 2-10 and record last year and hoping to improve on that this season. Um, you look at the quarterback position there for Virginia. It was much like Wake Forest's position last year. Um, you had Kurt Benkert and Matt Johns um, kind of rotating in in that last game against Virginia Tech, um, but they rotated in several times during the season. Um, Johns has since graduated, and it looks like it's Benkert's job now. He's healthy this season. He's 15 pounds lighter, um, but they've got to get more consistency, and you're going to see this um, across the the field here when you look at this Virginia team consistent 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 is what they need to do um, and what they need to be in order to to improve upon that two and ten mark and you know add a couple wins to the resume this year but Kurt being Kurt the fact that he's healthy the fact that he's lost some weight um, can be quicker on his feet uh, and really make some plays out there is going to be big for this Virginia team and big for Bronco Mendenhall in his second season. Um, ben Kurt's probably going to have to do a lot because you look at the running back spot and gone is Smoke Mizell, uh, Tyquan Mizell, the running back there, uh, who had just a really good season last year despite uh, the fact that the team was not very uh, very good. But Mizell, Smoke Mizell had a great year, um, and now Virginia is forced with having to replace him. Um, and it looks like Daniel Hamm um, is going to be that guy. He doesn't necessarily have the speed, the the burst uh, that Smoke had, uh, but he does look like he can be a really good running back for them. And if Ben Kirk's job is going to be easier if he's got somebody back there that he can hand the ball off to and teams can't just tee off and pass rush him like crazy uh, every single play. So they have to have somebody that's back there that's reliable uh, for this Virginia team. 
at the running back spot. You look at wide receivers, um, they had, and I'm going to ruin this guy's name, Olamai Zakisis um, had a hamstring injury early in the year, was slowed down, but still caught 51 passes. Um, they need him to become the big play threat that they think that he can be. Uh, and that, if he can do that, that's really going to help Ben Kurt. If there's a guy, and and it's not just with Ben Kurt, it's with any quarterback. Um, even, I mean, you look at Lamar. If you are a quarterback and you have a guy out there that you know, I can just throw this ball up and he's going to go get it, it totally puts you at ease when you're the quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater had that uh, with Devontae Parker when he was here. It looks like Lamar's going to have that with Jalen Smith. Just a guy that you can throw it, and no matter where he's at, as long as it's close to him, he's going to go up and get the ball. Um, that's what Virginia needs. That's what they need Zacchaeus to turn into for Kurt Benkert to really have a good year. Again, I feel like we're talking, it's like a broken record, but we're talking about offensive lines again. Virginia, they add three grad transfers and five freshmen to this offensive line group um, and hopefully can develop them and really have a solid offensive line. Uh, They had three starters graduate, so they really have some big holes to fill, and they've got to fill them quick um, because you look at this Virginia schedule, they have William and Mary at home, but then they have Indiana. Connecticut should be a winnable game. Then they go at Boise State and Duke. So they're going to have to be ready uh, on the offensive line quickly in this 2017 season. Look over at the defense. Uh, the defensive line, they've got a guy in Dante Wilkins uh, who is your your two-gap nose guard that Bronco Mendenhall really likes. Um but now he's gone. That spot is empty, and they're going to have to rebuild. Um, this is going to be a rebuilding defensive front. And that's the one thing you don't want to have issues on either line, the offensive line or the defensive line, if you're a second-year head coach and you're coming off a 2-10 and 10 record. But that's what they have on, on both sides of the ball. We'll see what happens. Uh, Jawan... Again, I'm going to mess up the name. Jawan Moyer um, is a guy that looks like he could possibly replace Wilkins. Um, but when you talk to Bronco Mendenhall, he says, what our defense needs will look like what we – I'm sorry. What our defense will look like will have a lot to do with how they play. Talking about Jawan Moyer and then James Trusilla. T-R-U-C-I-L-L-A. See, guys, this is why we cover Louisville. We don't cover Virginia. <laughs> but getting getting production, getting consistent, solid production on the defensive line is going to be big for Virginia. Um, just like getting solid production on the offensive line is going to be big for them as well. And big for Wake and big for Louisville and several teams in the ACC this year is getting good line play. Uh, look at the, the linebacker spot, Micah Kaiser is a stud for Virginia. And that's a thing. When you look at this Virginia lineup, they've got some guys. You look at Micah Kaiser. We'll talk about Quinn Blatting here in a minute. But they've got some guys. Micah Kaiser is a stud at the linebacker spot. Um, He let everybody know early in the offseason that he was coming back. Uh, He's a guy that's going to get picked early in the NFL draft coming up. Um, He led the ACC uh, 
and was third nationally in tackles, um, was a first-team All-ACC and second-team All-American. Again, Micah Kaiser is a stud, and he will be big time at the linebacker spot for Virginia this year. And I touched on him a little bit when we look at the defensive backs. Quinn Blatting is back, um, and that is big, big, big for Virginia. This is a defensive back unit that really had some struggles last year uh, for the Cavaliers. Never really seemed like they got things clicking. Quinn Blatting was the lone bright spot back there, and he is going to shine even brighter this year um, because he was the ACC, one of the ACC's top tacklers. A lot is going to be expected for him this year uh, if this secondary is really going to take a step forward and and not be such a liability for this Virginia team. You look at their schedule. I touched on it a little bit earlier. William & Mary, Indiana, Connecticut, at Boise State's the non-con. They open conference play hosting Duke, uh, one of the only teams they beat last year. They go to North Carolina, Boston College is at home, at Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, at Louisville, at Miami, Virginia Tech. Jeez. That's like, that is a very difficult schedule, especially in conference play. You, you're going to North Carolina, you're going to Pittsburgh, to Louisville, to Miami. It's difficult to look on this schedule and see a lot of wins. Indiana looks like they're going to be a very improved team in the Big Ten this year. You don't know about Connecticut at Boise State. I think you win the first one against William Mary. You lose to Indiana. You beat Connecticut. You're 2-1. and one. Where does your other win come from? Does it come at Boise State? Maybe. I don't know. Does it come against Duke? Potentially. You beat him last year. At North Carolina, I think by October 14th, North Carolina is going to have that quarterback position figured out. So I don't know the odds there. Virginia hosting Boston College, the first one to six probably wins that game. Um, They go to Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's going to be a very good team this year in the Coastal Division. Um, You have Georgia Tech at home. You go to Louisville and Miami. And then you have Virginia Tech, who I think is going to be a dangerous team in the Coastal as well. I think three wins. I think maybe you can find four wins. But a lot of this is going to have to do with Kurt Benkert and how that offense progresses. And can the defense, especially in the secondary, break up some passes and do enough to keep Virginia in ballgames? That's that's the real key here and, and is going to be something that we're going to be watching Uh, all season again the cards do host virginia november the 11th uh, here at papa john's cardinal stadium guys if you want to get in touch with us please please do so you know how to do it hit us up on twitter at the breakdown ul at taylor lynch at lewis metzinger and remember always to share the podcast out if you're listening on itunes it's really simple you just hit the share button and you can share it out on twitter or whatever it is that you use all right, so we've talked Wake Forest, we've talked Virginia, and if you're following alone, along on your schedules at home, then you know the next team that we're discussing will be the Syracuse Orange. And the best guy I figured to bring on to discuss Syracuse Orange is Chris Carlson of Syracuse.com, who covers the Orange. Chris, how's it going, brother? Not too bad. How about you? You know, we're doing uh, we're doing pretty well. So when we look at this Syracuse team, Chris, this is a team that last year 
finished out at four and eight. They bring a lot of guys back. Um, you look at Eric Dungey at quarterback, Zayer Franklin at linebacker. Um, so they have talent left on this team. Um, and I guess, you know, with the, the mantra of, you know, Orange is a new fast and, and everything that Dino Babers is doing up there coming into his second year as head coach, what's the mindset? What is the expectation of this Syracuse team headed into this season? Uh, you know, I, I think the reasonable fan um, is hoping – uh, to go to a bowl game, um, five and seven might might do it with their APR. The way things have been the last couple of years, uh, six and six is obviously you know you want to reach that point and make them send you. Uh, I think that's where most fans see this team. Um, you know, it's Dino Baber, Dino Babers' teams have always gotten better in their second year. Um, they bring a lot of the pieces back, which you mentioned. Uh, the offense was obviously really impressive last year. Uh, to the point that if their defense can just get a little bit better, um, you know they're gonna they're gonna be an interesting team to watch, and they're gonna be a team that's uncomfortable for most ACC teams to play. We look at Eric Dungy at the quarterback spot, returning for his junior year. <clears throat> excuse me, um, will be one of the big names um, at quarterback in this league this year. What does Dungy need to do to take his game to the next level? Um, he needs to stay healthy for a full season. Uh, you know, the, the, the past two years, he's been kind of sidelined with uh, concussion injuries. Um, Syracuse has, has been really, really cautious, uh, understandably so, with everything that, that's kind of gone on in the medical world um, with his treatments. Uh, last year, he, he thought he could have played. Um, he thought he could have come back, but they kept him out for, for the whole season um, after he suffered uh, his first of the year last year. So... Um, you know, uh, his numbers, if, if you look at them on a per-game basis, I mean, they are up there with anybody in the league. Now, now part of that is the Dino Babers offense, and you get more possessions, um, and you're throwing those short passes that are really runs, so, so it inflates the quarterback's totals. Um, but he was really, really, really effective last year, um, and he should be really, really effective this year um, if he can make it through the full season. When we look at running back, this Dino Baber style of offense, he loves to have that bruising running back that can really get in between the tackles and make things happen. And he hasn't, he didn't have that last year. It looks like this year, though, with the arrival of Marquenzie Pierre um, out of Liberty High School there in Florida, he could be that guy for Dino Babers. Um, What are the coaches saying about Pierre? Yeah, you know they certainly uh, they certainly would like him to. They, they've also talked up Dante Strickland, um, who, who's back from last year. Uh, maybe you know, there's all those everything you hear in, in, in training camp, right? You wonder if it's a mind game. Uh, you wonder Coach if it's speak. true. <laughs> uh, you, you, right, exactly. You wonder how it's going to show itself on the field. Um, so Strickland's kind of the guy that that's the returner who who might take that position, but Pierre is like you mentioned, the kind of the prototype for this offense. Um, they didn't have a guy last year that could break tackles. Um, so, you know, and essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to get guys one-on-one with defenders. Uh, and, and the assumption is, you know, our one guy is going to be able to beat your guy. Well, Syracuse's run, one running back last year couldn't beat anybody. Uh, you know, he was just one, one-on-one and he got tackled every time. Mm-hmm. Uh now, Pierre's a freshman. I think it's a, a lot to ask a freshman to come in and, and 
against ACC players and, and be kind of that bruising, you know, tackle-breaking running back. Uh, but he's certainly the best fit for, that, that Dino's had here. Um, so I think you'll see strides out of the running game. I don't think it's going to be where it needs to be for, for Syracuse to be really good, um, but it's going to be better, which maybe that's enough to get him into a bowl game. We look at the receiver position and the glaring absence, both from production and just pure size, is obviously going to be on by Edetawu, um, who's now off to the NFL. Uh, but Stephen Ishmael does return for his senior year and looks like he's going to be the big threat on the outside. Aside from Ishmael, though, who's going to be the other threat there and the other guys that are going to be catching passes from Dungey this season? Well, you've got you've got Irv Phillips, uh, who's, a, who's actually their their probably their most effective wide receiver. Uh, he's a slot guy, so you don't talk about him on the outside. Um, but he was really, really good in the slot last year. Um, has a chance to set the, uh, the Syracuse record for career receptions if he keeps up pace. Uh, but like you mentioned, last year the offense was, was very much about Amba Edatawo, um, the fact that he could take the top off the defense, um, the fact that he could force safety help um, was huge. Uh, I don't know who that is for Syracuse this year. Steve Ishmael is, is really, really good, um, but he's not a burner. Um, so he's not really the type that you maybe want to send a second defender over to worry about. Um, Jamal Custis uh, has played with the ones um, so far in training camp, but he's another big guy. They've tried him at tight end before. Uh, so he doesn't have the speed that, that Dino likes out of that position. Um, so I think a lot of us think that Devin Butler, uh, who's a red shirt freshman, um, didn't play last year, uh, but he was, uh, you know, a state champion sprinter. Uh, he has good size and incredible speed. Um, I think the question is going to be whether he can go up and get it in one-on-one situations like Amba did. And, uh, you know, tough ask for a red shirt freshman. Um, but if, but if, if you're asking for some, who's going to take that role, uh, I think it's Devin Butler. Um, if you're asking who's going to take the, the production, I think we're going to get a little more Phillips, a little more Steve Ishmael, and it's going to be a little bit more kind of balanced this year. Chris Carlson, our guest here, Syracuse.com, joining us talking Syracuse football here on The Breakdown. Chris, it seems like everybody that we've talked about with every team this season so far, the same thing has come up with every team. And it's weird, and I haven't seen anything like that um, in a while and it's it seems like everybody has issues or things that they need to straighten out on the offensive line and you look (laughs) at it with Florida State you look at it obviously with Louisville um, Wake Forest and Virginia and Syracuse much in the same has issues on that offensive line if they're going to keep um, Dungy upright and keep him healthy uh, this season, then there've got to be some changes and some things done to shore up that O line. Um, how's that progressing here in fall camp? Well, and, and you're absolutely right that that's kind of the the big concern, um, you know, both in fall camp and, and for the season. Um, Aaron Roberts, who who was a guard for them, um, probably their most experienced lineman, maybe their best. Uh, you know, he's out for the season with a knee injury, um, so so they're moving a lot of redshirt freshman faces on the offensive line. Now, uh, on the plus side, uh, it's the second year for those guys in the system. Uh, last year, they had one year in the system. Um, they're probably, they're probably going to be a little bit better. Um, but 
I mean, that's a position where you just need to be a grown man to, to succeed. So every year you're rotating your seniors, your redshirt juniors, your redshirt seniors through there, and, and guys are graduating. Um, Syracuse doesn't have any of those. Uh, they, they don't have that, that man strength yet. Um, and I think that's a problem. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's why we're a year away from maybe Syracuse having the potential to be really good. Um, Cause I don't think they have it. And, and Dino Babers talked about it last year that if his offensive line couldn't do that, um, his offense, the, the quarterback then has to be able to run. He doesn't want a quarterback to run, but the quarter, but they have to be able to run the ball to make the offense work. And that's put Eric Dungy in danger. Um, I think he's probably going to be running a lot more than they would like again this year. And every time he runs the ball, I mean, it's a, it's a heart attack for Syracuse fans. So, um, you know, just like those other teams, uh, you know, offensive line is a project and, and Syracuse is way too young. You're, you're not fitting, you're not fitting old guys in there. You're fitting young guys in there. And that's never a, a good formula. That seems to be the, the way that this whole Syracuse offense is, is developing. When you look at the depth chart, you look at the, the starters and you're seeing seniors and juniors, but then you look mm-hmm. at that too deep and you're seeing freshmen, true freshmen, and sophomores. Um, and Louisville has gone through much of the same um, when they made their transition into the ACC. It wasn't that the first unit wasn't good enough to compete in the ACC. It was about the building the depth to compete when your first unit comes out and your second unit comes in. Um, and it, Syracuse, with Dino Babers coming in as a new head coach, seems like that's kind of where they're at right now with his system and in his scheme is just building that depth. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, he, he's talked a lot about how he thinks his first unit, you know, could be competitive. Um, but last year they had a lot of injuries and, and that got into the, the, the second unit really, really quickly. Um, you know, it started with uh, Antoine Cordy in, in the Louisville game. Um, you know, he, he's probably their best playmaking safety. He doesn't have the size that you want, but man, he's a, he's a tough kid who, who's always around the ball. Um, you know, and, and, and he was the first domino to fall. Um, and it was something they dealt with all season. Um, I think it actually matters maybe a little bit more for Syracuse depth does than, than other teams. Um, because part of their philosophy is they're going to wear you out, right? They want to play fast. They want, they want to go into their too deep because they want to get you into your too deep. And they think that they're too deep because of all the reps they're getting because of the extra plays and because they've been conditioned, their two, their, their twos are going to be better than your twos. And they're going to play so fast that you have to use your twos. Um, but like, you know, but like you mentioned, Syrac- Syracuse, um, since Dino Babers has gotten here, they, they've shuffled a lot of players out of here. Um, they didn't have, they've missed out a lot of their key recruits never made it here under Scott Schaefer. You know, they, they took some risks to try to get some four stars, some academic risks, um, and those guys didn't pan out. So, so you, you know, I, I think you nailed it. They're very cognizant of the need to build that depth. Um, and just like a lot of things I'm saying with Syracuse this, this, this year, uh, they're a year away, I think, from building the depth they need to, to, to really kind of be scary. Chris Carlson, our guest here, Syracuse.com. Um, Chris, when we talked about we talked about the offense, switching over here to the defense now, if the offensive line has issues, 
it looks like the defensive line <laughs> may have just as many issues for Syracuse. More, probably. Yeah, you're, more. you're right. You look at junior uh, tackle Chris Slayton, really the only guy coming back with any experience on this unit. Junior, I mean, Stephen Clark thought you were going to get something out of him, but now um, with the blood clotting issue that they found in the offseason, we don't even know if he's going to play football again. Um, so now what does Syracuse do, and how do you patch together a defensive line here in fall camp? Yeah, I mean, what's crazy is we talk – you mentioned kind of the defensive tackles um, and, and the issue depth there. That's a, they're better there than they are on the defensive ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, St- Stephen Clark was kind of one of two along with Clayton. Um, Clark's transferred to Western Michigan um, where he hopes to be able to play. But if he plays again, it won't be at Syracuse. Um, so, so now they've got Caton Samuels, who does have some experience. Uh, he's a little bit of a plugger um, more than a playmaker, but, but he's at least played some. Um, but behind him, they have no depth. And then at the defensive end position, um, they've got McKinley Williams, who, who is a, a sophomore, um, was, you know, was fairly impressive by Syracuse standards as a freshman last year, which means that uh, he looked like by the time he was a junior, he could be a really good player. Um, and then at the other end, you've got uh, Jake Pickard um, and Josh Black, two kids that have those two kids are, are kind of expected to be the other starter. Both of them have been limited by uh, injuries so far this training camp. Um, so we haven't seen much of them when they really, really need to be playing. And after that, you're, you're talking about true freshmen potentially being on your two deep at the defensive end position mm. um, and, and running a scheme where, you know, unless they really do some funny things with the Tampa two, I mean, you're supposed to be getting pressure with your front four for, for the, you know, the way they want to play that defense. I can't. I don't see how they make that happen this year. So I think they're going to have to be really creative, you know, with with how they blitz out of that thing. We look at the linebacker spot as we move from the D line back to the linebackers. Zaire Franklin, who I mentioned earlier, back as the leader of the defense, and really, it seems like Chris, the leader of this team uh, for Syracuse, it seems like they're going to be solid at that linebacker spot. But when you get to the DBs, uh, after Antoine Cordy's season injury that you mentioned um, in week two against Louisville, they were really just trying to piece that thing together the rest of the year. Do you think that Syracuse is going to be better at the defensive back spot this season? I think they will be better only because, if only because they have more bodies that they can kind of throw out there. Um, you know, the, the fact that Cordy couldn't play last year, uh, meant that there were there was more time um, for other guys. So, so uh, a guy like Chris Fredericks at corner, um, they brought in Devin Butler, who's a transfer from Notre Dame, um, who's actually looked pretty good so in training camp. I, I'd be stunned if he wasn't starting. Um, so you've, you've everybody's a year older. Um, you've brought in probably a starting corner who is better than any you had last year. Uh, you get Cordy back, who's a playmaker. Um, and they, they were just so bad last year that, that it, it feels like it would be impossible for them not to get better. Uh, I think they'll be okay. But I think the worry is more if you're playing zone 
and you can't rush a passer, eventually teams are going to get open against a zone. Eventually they're going to find windows if, if you give them time to work against that defense. Uh, so I think the personnel might be better, but I don't know if the results are going to be any better just because I don't trust that defensive line to, to, to do what it needs to do for them. Um, so unless they blitz, unless they kind of change that up, which they didn't do a lot of last year, um, you know, I, I think they're, I think their past defense numbers are going to be bad. I think it would be unfair to blame it all on the secondary. I think that if I'm Dino Babers, there's a guy up there at Syracuse that's really good at coaching zone. So I, I think maybe, <laughs> may, I mean, you know, it's a little different, but you know, maybe you bring, maybe maybe you bring him down, let him let him try to, you know, coach the coach the zone there with <laughs> with the football team and see how that goes. <laughs> You know, he, he could probably come up with something. He's pretty good at geography. Uh, geography, man, that's bad. Geometry. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he might be able to come up with something that could help. Uh, it, but based on last year, he couldn't have done much worse. That's true. Chris Carlson, our guest here at Syracuse.com, uh, covers the Syracuse Orange. Uh, Chris, when you look at the schedule for Syracuse this year, uh, Central Connecticut State to open the year, uh, Middle Tennessee, Central Michigan, and then at LSU to wrap up the non-conference portion of the schedule. Um, and then, of course, at NC State, Pitt, Clemson, at Miami, at Florida State, Wake, at Louisville, Boston College. Not an easy conference slate for the Orange, uh, to say the least. When you look at the schedule, how many wins are you picking from this one? Uh, I I'm I'm thinking that they are going to be get one more than last year. I think they're going to get up to five, um, and I think we insanely have so many bowl games that, that five <laughs> wins is actually be enough to get them into some sort of a bowl, uh, which will be celebrated up here in Syracuse as if it's a, a, a monumentous achievement. <laughs> I don't know that it should be, but it will, um, and it will be progress. So you know, uh, I, I think they'll get five. I think they'll um, they'll show progress, and I think against that schedule, that five is actually pretty good for them. You look at these these key home games. I mean, you've got Clemson at home, you've got Pitt at home, uh, Wake and Boston College. I think Boston College is a winnable game for Syracuse. Uh, Wake Forest is a winnable game for Syracuse. Um, of the road games for the Orange, are there any that you think they could sneak and get a victory? Uh, I mean, so, so, so when you're, I mean, that, that's the one thing that actually like works out for them a little bit in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, their ceiling is really, really low. Right. Um, because like a lot of their tough games are on the road, which means they have zero chance. Um, yeah. but a lot of their winnable games are at home. And I mean, they beat Virginia tech at home last year. Right. So, you know, Dino Babers has reached the point where, where he can beat a, a, a pretty capable team, um, in his home arena. Uh, but I, I think they have to really take care of business at home, um, mm-hmm. to, to make it, uh, who is it? Was it, is it NC state that they play on the road? Yes. You've got NC state on the road, Miami on the road, um, Florida state, Louisville and LSU. NC state's the only one I can see them. You know, I know some people really like NC state this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dave Doran is still a little suspect as a coach mm-hmm. um he, he hasn't necessarily met, gotten the most out of the talent he's had 
Um, and I think Dino Babers is a good coach. Uh, I would never predict Syracuse to go on the road and beat NC State, but but I think they have a you know a puncher's chance to steal that one. Um, you know, Louisville, if Lamar Jackson isn't there, who knows? I mean, it just that changes the equation so much. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to get into predicting player injuries. <laughs> uh, NC State's the only the only one that if the team's played right now, I, I'd give Syracuse a puncher's chance. Chris Carlson, our guest here, Syracuse.com, covering the Syracuse Orange. Chris, we appreciate the time, as always, brother. Hopefully we will talk to you this coming season as the Orange and the Cardinals get it underway. Yeah, anytime. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Awesome. Thanks. You too, Chris. Well, Card Nation, that's all the time we have on the show for tonight. Big thanks to Chris Carlson for joining us. We talked Wake. We talked Syracuse. We talked Virginia. We'll talk with you next week as we wrap up the summer football preview series with UK. Uh, Lewis will be back with me. Who knows what else we'll get into. But for Lewis, I'm Taylor. This has been another episode of The Breakdown. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Cards! Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.